0: Welcome to PBC Talks. If you would like to find out more information, please visit pbc.org.uk. How's everyone doing? Yeah, feeling good for a Sunday morning? How many watched the rugby yesterday? Yes, nice. I'm actually ashamed to say that I overslept, which is terrible. So I got the last 15 minutes on my phone in bed and was like, what? We're winning? Amazing. Um, So my name is Ellie. For those of you who don't know me, I have been... Hi, Rob. I have been coming to um, PBC for a really long time, Um, since I was born. My parents are members here. Um, So it is a real privilege to be asked to speak this morning. So we're continuing in our series of imitating Jesus um, and I don't know about you but I've really enjoyed this series. I've really enjoyed looking at different aspects of Jesus's character as we seek to imitate him. So this morning we're looking at imitating driven Jesus. Now when I got asked to preach on this title, I'm not going to lie, the first thing I did was Probably, yeah, more that more so than pray, was Google the word driven? Because honestly, the first image that came to my head was this idea of Jesus being like chauffeur-driven around Israel. And I was like, well, that may be a novel approach to this talk, but probably an incorrect one. So I thought it was a good place to start. So according to Google, well actually according to the Cambridge Dictionary on Google, someone who is driven is so determined to achieve something or be successful that all their behaviour is directed towards this aim. So in other words, all their behaviour is defined by the aim, the goal, the purpose, whatever word we want to use. So how was Jesus driven and how are we going to imitate him? So this morning, I want to suggest that Jesus radically pursued his calling He kept going, and he didn't do it by himself. So to imitate him, therefore, we need to do three things. We need to imitate a radical pursuit of calling. We need to imitate perseverance, and we need to imitate rest. So... I think it's fair to say that Jesus was a man on a mission. He was driven by his calling, his purpose, his destiny, whatever word you want to use to describe it, and he radically pursued it. It defined his everyday waking and sleeping. All his behaviour was directed towards it. So what is our calling? We've got to answer this first if we want to radically pursue it. Just a simple question for you all this morning, then what is the purpose of our life? Easy, right? You were all expecting a two-hour sermon, yeah? You were all strapped in for that. I mean, Will did tell me 25 minutes, but when have I ever listened to him anyway? Um, So, what is our calling? Well, let's start by considering Jesus, the one we seek to imitate. So, Have you heard of mission statements? So these are things that often organizations or charities have to define the program they choose to operate. It defines the behavior of the organization, if you like. So, for example, I work for a charity called Hope for Justice, and our mission statement is this. So we exist to bring an end to modern slavery by preventing exploitation, rescuing victims, restoring lives, and reforming society. Or another example, so Compassion, quite a big charity. Our mission is to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. So these statements for these organisations act as a reference for their decision making. So will this new programme, this new initiative, this new idea, is that going to fulfil our desired mission? So let's take Compassion for an example. Is Compassion going to fund a campaign in favour of lower-paid jobs? No. It's going to be counterproductive, in fact, to its mission. But equally though, is Compassion going to fund a new homeless shelter focused on single adults with addictions? Also, no. It's not a bad thing, but it's not the mission. So these statements are created to avoid what's known as mission drift, this operating outside of your purpose. So then, okay, well, what if Jesus had a mission statement? What would that look like? Well, in Luke 19.10, Jesus reveals his mission for us. He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. This was the basis of everything that he did. All his behaviour was directed towards this goal. And in John 6, 38, we read as well, For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. He is directed by God in all things. His calling is to follow God's will and fulfil his mission to save the lost. Now, last week, we were looking with Reuben at interrupted Jesus and how he engaged with people, how he encountered them. And this got me thinking, I think with each encounter, Jesus considered, does this help fulfill my mission and do my father's will? Yes, do it. No, move on. So back to us then. What are we driven by? Do we know our calling, our purpose? Does this shape our life? Does it define our everyday encounters? Well, this morning I'd like to suggest that the answer to the big questions about our calling and our purpose is in fact fairly simple. Because as disciples of Jesus, we are called to continue his mission We are called to imitate Jesus by radically pursuing this calling he has given us. So if you're anything like me, then I think we can be easily distracted, I know I can, by asking God to reveal a particular calling for our lives. So I quite regularly have somewhat of an existential crisis considering, what am I doing with my life? It's a regular question in Ellie Russell's head. Um, But actually, I think God has really been challenging me on this recently because it's too self-centred of an approach. You know, what am I doing with my life? Because I think part of the problem is we can use this word calling to describe so many things. And sometimes we can confuse it with asking God, you know, what should our career be or where should we live And don't get me wrong, I I do think God can and does give people specific directions and put specific callings on people's lives. You know, an obvious one would be a calling into ministry. But at the same time, we have to remember that as disciples of Jesus, we have a fundamental, underlying everything, mission and purpose. For too long, I have asked God to reveal my future whilst completely ignoring where he's put me in the present I'm praying for him to use me. I'm saying, God, use me. But I'm thinking about the next big steps. So when he isn't revealing my future to me in a nice, neat package that I can unwrap, then I behave like he hasn't placed this higher calling on my life. Because to imitate driven Jesus is to continue his mission to seek the lost and point them to the only one who can save to be the hands and the feet of Jesus and serve others wherever we are and whatever we're doing to live in relationship with God and say yes to whatever he is asking us to do so our daily decision making our daily encounters they should be directed towards the mission It's radical when it changes everything, when all our behaviour is defined and directed by this calling. Now Jesus wasn't longing to impress people, was he? He wasn't intent on making a great name for himself. He didn't lose sleep over the expectations or the requests of others. He chose serving over being liked, giving over being followed. He said yes to what his father asked him to do every time even if it was uncomfortable, unpopular, or unimaginable. Jesus didn't live life on his own terms. He radically pursued the calling on his life to do the will of his Father and to seek and save the lost. So my second thought when planning this sermon after Chauffeur Jesus was how many driving related examples can I possibly fit in? So I ask for your forgiveness in this next attempt. But we have the map, see where I'm going with this, when we know our calling, it's what gives us our direction and aligns our behaviour. But what happens along the journey? So I want to introduce you this morning to somebody very important in my life. Yeah, here she is, Eleanor Roosevelt is her formal name, Um, and she is a wonder. She is my micro circa early 2000s, and she's now done 90,000 miles, which I'm pretty proud of. Um, Let me tell you about what some of these miles have involved. So they've involved many a flat tyre to then be informed by the AA man that's come to rescue me that the tyre was so worn down it was definitely illegal. Sorry, Judy. (laughs) Um, A temperamental battery lesson. It is always important to carry jump leads in your car and overcome shyness to ask random strangers at service stations to borrow their car engine. Important. And finally, squeaky windscreen wipers that will make you feel Insane by the time you have driven 300 miles from Oban to Manchester. If you don't believe me, just ask Jane Dybul. She's definitely been a victim of this. Um, The point is, however stretched, is that we may have our direction, but challenges are still going to come on the journey. So Jesus pursued his calling. He was guided by the Spirit to obey the Father's will. But he didn't have it easy. I mean, we just have to look at his life to see this. He was threatened to be killed pretty much from his birth onwards. The religious leaders of his day were always trying to trick him, always trying to trap him, get him to say the wrong thing. He was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. One of his closest friends betrayed him, and another one denied him. The list could go on. And yet he didn't give up. He kept going. He persevered. He was determined to be obedient even to the point of death. In Luke 9 51, we read Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Fully knowing that that journey was going to take him to the cross and to his death, he was determined to go. I think we can often forget, or at least I can, Jesus's humanity. And what this series has done is really challenged me to remember that while Jesus was on earth, he was fully human. You know, he was God, but he was fully human. He had human emotions and faced real and difficult challenges. And it was great before Steph leading us in communion to think about that challenge that Jesus faced in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was facing death. Yes, he knew the purpose. Yes, he knew his calling. Yes, he knew that by dying on the cross, he was going to create this beautiful way for mankind to be reunited with God. But he still had to face that reality of death. You know, we heard, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. He recognizes, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. You know, he prays, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken from me. He is real with God. He doesn't deny how hard the situation is. But if we want to imitate driven Jesus, we need to imitate his perseverance. Because he goes on to pray, yet, not, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So in Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3, it talks about perseverance. It talks about running this race of life with perseverance. And I want to read from the message version this morning, which says this. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honour right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your face, go over that story again. Item by item, that long litany of hostility he ploughed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Indeed. A life of faith requires perseverance. A life of obedience to God requires perseverance. A life serving others requires perseverance. A life radically pursuing our calling requires perseverance. There is no way around it. We're going to experience hard times. The Bible pretty much guarantees this for followers of Jesus. You know, we may not be asked to die for our faith in Poynton, in Britain, in our comfortable church. This might seem quite unlikely. But we all face challenges. We all face rejection for sharing our faith. We all face the battle of priorities and the struggle against the desire to put ourselves first. We all face being overwhelmed by the current state of our world, the mountains of injustice and poverty that seem far too big to tackle. When we try and we try and we try and we see no change. So I wanted to take a moment this morning and just think about what stops us. What are the barriers to our perseverance? So when I was preparing for this story, this story this morning, um, I started a list which quite quickly became a lengthy list. So fear lack of faith, feeling tired and burnt out, suffering and pain, discouragement, worry and anxiety. These are not easy to overcome. But the passage in Hebrews reveals the secret to perseverance. Keep your eyes on Jesus. We need to look to Jesus to see the source of his perseverance because he never operated purely in his own strength. He didn't do it by himself. So I want to look again at what stops us and then look to Jesus. So fear. But we know perfect love casts out fear. So lack of faith. But we know if we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot disown himself. Tired and burnt out. But Jesus promises, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Suffering and pain, but we know that God is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Discouragement, but we know the God of love will encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good word and deed. Worries and anxiety, but we know that God will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in him. Now I really don't want this to seem like I am minimizing these barriers because they are real and they are painful. But I want to consider that whether we find ourselves halted in these places of fear of and exhaustion and pain, because actually we've been trying to do things in our own strength for far too long. Jesus didn't do it by himself. I don't know why I constantly think that I can. So the source of his perseverance was his relationship with his father. Jesus prioritised his relationship with his father. We thought about this right at the start of this series. It was the foundation for this whole series when we thought about intimate Jesus. You know, prayer was restorative for Jesus. He often withdrew to these quiet places to rest and to spend time with God. There is such a temptation to equate driven with being busy. But Jesus shows us the importance of rest. And I think to imitate driven Jesus is also to understand the importance of rest. So I recently went on holiday to Greece with a good friend of mine, and there's a picture to make you all jealous, look, and it was, um, it was delightful, it really was. I honestly did nothing for seven days, I lay by the beach or by the pool and I shut off from the rest of the world. I didn't really use my phone, I didn't think about work, I didn't think about church, I didn't think about planning the 18 to 30s weekend away, I didn't even really think about my friends or my family, I was just there. I actually read seven books in seven days, which shows you how little I did. Um, It was complete and utter physical rest. So I came back to the UK, going back to work, and I was like, you know, this rest is going to take me at least all the way through to Christmas now. That was my expectation. But these past few weeks have, have really shown me that physical rest is so not the same as spiritual rest. Because when I shut off to the world, if I'm being honest with you, I shut off to God too. I didn't really invite him into my days. I was just chilling. I was just relaxing. I I didn't need him. So coming back, you know, I was back in these difficult situations which demanded my time and my emotional energy. I actually felt really empty. I felt like I physically couldn't give out anymore. And then I felt guilty because I've just been on a really nice holiday. You can see where my mind was at. And I even, you know, last week I even walked past a friend who I could see was upset. And you know what my first thought was? I have nothing left to give you. And you know what, being really honest with you, I actually resented the expectation that I should help. I just thought, I have nothing for you. But as humans, our resources are limited. We need to lean into a God that has unlimited resource. You know, Colossians 1, 11 refers to being strengthened with all the power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance. You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus received strength from his Father. In Luke's account in verse 42, we read that after Jesus prayed, yet not my will, but yours be done, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. There is a beautiful irony in realising that to keep going, we might first need to pause. You know, after six days creating the universe, God rested on the seventh day. You know, God himself, the creator of you and me, of everything we see around us, even he allocated himself time to rest. You know, spending time with our God is what's going to give us the fuel that we need to keep going. I love Psalm 46.10. I love that that was the foundation of our prayer week last time. That says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and switch your focus to me and who I am. I am the God who can overcome all fear, increase your faith, give you strength, comfort your pain. I am the God who can give you perseverance to keep going. I really believe, I felt really strongly as I was seeking God in this, that he wants to encourage those this morning who feel like they can't keep going. Those for whom the idea of imitating driven Jesus seems so far removed from your capacity right now and actually perhaps something you just don't want to do. I hear you. It's important to realise that feeling like this is not the failure. Jesus felt the same. In these moments, we imitate him by falling on our knees, crying out in prayer, asking him for strength, and choosing we will only go again in his strength and his power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When our souls are weary and we are too tired to go again, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus He will give us the strength for perseverance. And He will also fill our hearts with His love and re inspire us for His mission. Hebrews 12 12 says this So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. We don't have to go again from a position of strength, but from our position of weakness. To imitate driven Jesus is to rest in him. Rely on him for the source of our perseverance. It's to persevere then in his strength and power and radically pursue our calling every day. I'm just going to pray for us. If the band want to come up. Father, thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. Thank you that you sent him to come to this earth to live and model the best way to live in relationship with you. To live and model his mission that we are called to continue in. To live and model a relationship so close to you, Abba Father, that all of his perseverance and strength and daily encouragement came from you. Father, thank you that you love us so much. Thank you that you meet us exactly where we are. where we are. And for some of us, we're in a place of weakness. But thank you that your power is made perfect in that weakness. And I just pray this morning as we spend some time in worship that we will just kneel before you, we will cry out to you, and we will ask your spirit to come and renew our strength and say, come on, child, let's keep going. Let's do this together. Amen. listening to this week's talk join us next week for another inspirational message